0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Brownstone Breakdown podcast, I want to talk to you guys about Indochino custom fit menswear You guys have heard me talk about the folks at Indochino before. We're a big believer in what they do and the service they provide. They're the world's largest made-to-measure men's wear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything's made to your exact measurements for a great fit. That's the important part. They're going to make it custom to your fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel lining and your own monogram. RJ Barrett. NBA draft pick his brand new collection with Indochino just dropped featuring limited edition fabrics jacket linings RJ helped picked out and design Indochino's process is simple choose your fabric pick your customizations and submit your measurements your package will be delivered straight to your door in just two weeks you can get measured design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself and submit those measurements online at Indochino.com right now Blue Wire podcast listeners can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more to Indochino.com when entering that promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Go to Indochino.com, enter that promo code BLUEWIRE. We love it. We love Indochino. We're ready for a great podcast And we are off.
1: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield.
0: To Browns film breakdown I'm your host Jake burns writer at the OBR uh, coming at you guys here on um, you know Wednesday evening gonna chat with you about what the heck is coming up with the Pittsburgh Steelers and if the Browns have a chance tomorrow night we want to again thank our sponsors Indochino, custom menswear Harry's razors and roman.com all of which big supporters of blue wire podcast Network we appreciate you guys listening. I uh, want to talk, like I said, about what Pittsburgh is going to bring to First Energy Stadium tomorrow. So, obviously, a team that has played through some adversity. Uh, opening the year, they lost their uh, franchise quarterback, who's been their guy forever. As we all know, Ben Roethlisberger, he tears uh, ligaments in his elbow, is out for the year. And um, in steps Mason Rudolph after they trade away Josh Dobbs. And uh, it, it doesn't start out well for Pittsburgh. They end up going 1-4 in their first four after a home um, loss in overtime to Baltimore. And it looked pretty meek. They, at that point, had made a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, and they didn't have a first-round pick, and it looked pretty rough. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't a really good situation for Pittsburgh, and a lot of people were mocking some of their decision-making. But since that time, they've rattled off four wins in a row, have now won five of their last six wins over Miami, Indianapolis, and uh, the the Rams this past Sunday, and they're rolling. They're five and four, right in the thick of the playoff hunt. And it is, uh, you know, it's it's a typical Pittsburgh team. They're led by a young quarterback. This is the different part. They're yet led by a young quarterback, Mason Rudolph, who started out slowly, but has come on. I would say um, of late, he's up to 11 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He's completing 64 and percent of his passes for 1330 yards. Devlin Hodges. Uh, obviously played a little bit when he was hurt. He's the backup. Um, Rudolph is just, he's played surprisingly well. He's not going to beat you. Uh, a lot of people talk about this, and we'll talk about this with John Ledyard, who's coming up later. He's not going to beat you with plays outside of structure. He's really not going to beat you driving the football downfield to anticipation. But Pittsburgh's doing a nice job of getting him schemed up open plays, making the throws in rhythm simple for him, and they're doing a nice job with their young receiving core getting open and making plays with the football. That young receiving core is led by, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's at 36 catches for 503 and three touchdowns. But surprisingly, the two supporting him, James Washington, the Oklahoma State product, at 20 catches for 320 and a touchdown, a really acrobatic touchdown on the goal line last week. And then young Deontay Johnson out of uh, local Toledo has been great for them, 230 catches, 363 and three touchdowns and a 12.1 yard per reception number. He's done a fantastic job for them. Vance McDonald, who's their tight end, uh, who's missed a little bit of time being beat up, but he's played for the most part. He's got 25 catches, 187, and three touchdowns. And uh, that's really it. That's as far as who they're looking to in the passing game. They will throw to their running backs. Sounds like James Connors coming back. He's a difference maker for them. 97 carries, 380 yards, four touchdowns, but also has 29 catches for 263 and two sorry 236 and two scores. And then Jalen Samuels, who has stepped in for... Um, Connor, when he's dealt with his shoulder injury, is also a big-time receiver, 29 catches, 167. Hasn't been as explosive, but is comfortable doing that for them. Benny Snell does see a little bit of time, 28 carries, 118 yards, a rookie from Kentucky. He's more of a thumper for them. So it's interesting where they're at offensively. They made some shuffling around. They went out and got a second tight end in Nick Vanette. hasn't been much of an impact for them, but he is a nice presence as a second tight end, blocking type, the Ohio State product. They got rid of some baggage at wide receiver. Dante Moncrief early in the year have settled on their three that they really like now, and I think that they have an identity. The offensive line is obviously one of the NFL's best. I think it took them a while to get over the loss of Mike Munchak, but they're still, you know, Alejandro Villanueva left tackle. Ramon Foster sounds like he's coming back healthy at left guard this week. Orcase Pouncey, one of the best centers in the game. David DeCastro, one of the best right guards in the game. Matt Feeler has done a solid job for them as their right tackle. It is, um, you know, the quarterback is an elite, and they're still missing a beat. They're not as explosive offensively, but they're good enough. They're good enough to put some points on the board, and they're well coached, and they're a disciplined group. And uh, offensively, I think that I think it's a week the Browns could have some advantages, but I also think with the way the Browns leave some holes and their coverage, middle of the field, some of the spots they put their players on islands, it could be something that they struggle with, and Pittsburgh could have some opportunities to make some plays. But if the Browns get after them at their front four, I don't think Olivier Vernon's playing, but if they're able to create consistent pressure and uh, can sort of throw Pittsburgh off kilter in, in, in you know a raucous home environment, I could see Cleveland doing a nice job holding them down. So that matchup will be obviously important because I think it's going to be low scoring because I'm not sure... How the Browns offense will fare because this Pittsburgh defense is the worst, the worst matchup for them uh, conceivably. And it's it it, it has the potential to be a very rough, very rough offensive night. If you're looking at their defense, it's led tackles-wise, 69 total tackles for young Devin Bush. He has two interceptions, the rookie from Michigan. He is uh four passes defended, four fumbles recovered, and a touchdown. You know, he's every bit as advertised. He still has some processing issues. From time to time, he's young. He's still only 21, but he is very good, and he's going to anchor that defense for a long time. Uh, big names, Joe Hayden, 47 tackles, is uh, is doing a nice job in their scheme. Nine, a whopping nine passes defended. Has done a great job getting his hands on the football that have led to some Minka Fitzpatrick turnovers. Fitzpatrick in just seven games for uh, Pittsburgh has 34 tackles, you know, he's he's also got five, a whopping five interceptions, 130 return yards and a touchdown, eight passes defended himself. He's also recovered one, tu- uh, one fumble for a touchdown. So the guy's everywhere, and he's making an impact, and I wrote about him in this week's preview at the OBR about how he's reading opposing quarterbacks and playing in the scheme. He's just deadly. You want to talk about their other deadly presence is TJ Watt off the edge. He leads them with nine-and-a-half sacks. He's every bit as good as any edge in the league right now. Really good repertoire of moves is going to give Chris Hubbard some absolute fits as he stands up and comes off the edge. I'm very worried about that. They're going to have to manipulate him as best they can. Bud Dupree is also playing really good football on the opposite side. He's sort of been the wild card that the Kentucky product uh, has been, like I said, a wild card. Hasn't always played as well as they'd hope, but he's having a really good year with six sacks this year. Doing a nice job folding the left tackle. And I think those two edge players are going to give the Browns some struggles. If they, if they dominate the game, then I would imagine Pittsburgh wins this game pretty comfortably. But if the Browns can mitigate those two and, uh, and, and do their best to sort of keep Baker Mayfield clean, the Browns have a shot. Cam Hayward, Ohio State product, still on the inside, still as good as there is across the NFL, five-and-a-half sacks, 43 tackles, six tackles for loss, 11 quarterback hits. He's damn good. He, 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 I don't know if they're going to find a way to get him over Wyatt Teller consistently. Uh, But if it's Joel Batonio, the Browns have a decent shot, a decent shot at maintaining him. Uh, Stephon Tewitt is out uh, for the year. Javon Hargrave is playing some pretty solid football inside. Three tackles, sorry, 26 tackles, three sacks, four quarterback hits, three tackles for loss. He'll anchor inside. Vince Williams sees some time at linebacker, him and Mark Barron. Mark Barron is a player you can pick on. I think the Steelers, I know that their two weakest defensive players are Mark Barron and uh, Terrell Edmonds are safety who are not playing great football. Teams are finding them as often as they can. So I think that that will be an important thing for the Browns to do is try to get those guys in matchups, you know, some favorable matchups. Steven Nelson's the other outside corner. I think it will be interesting to see how Steven Nelson matches up, if he matches up with bracketed coverage on Um, Odell Beckham or if they put Joe Hayden on Odell Beckham I'm not sure but they need to to make sure that they tilt some coverage to Jarvis Landry who gets an abundance of targets and is a Mayfield favorite Uh, I think that'll be fascinating to watch Mike Hilton's their their corner that they like to bring in in nickel situations they'll remove an interior lineman they'll also play Cam Sutton uh, as, as their dime player. They've gone to more dime lately. So that will be something to pay attention to is how they adjust to Brown's spread formations. And if they look to continue to do what they've been doing successfully, which is bracket the first down, you know, uh, first down marketing as best they can and let their, um, you know, no easy routes, let their defensive line and pass rush get after the quarterback by making things feel compressed. They've sacrificed deep coverage and um, said, we're just going to sort of bracket the the first down sticks and say, You know, Beat us over top if you dare, but you're not going to get any easy throws against our pass rush. And I think that's the thing that scares me the most is how effective they can be in making Baker Mayfield feel rattled and how Mayfield has felt rattled from some of those simulated pressures where he thinks he's going to get heated up. Well, actually, he gets a clean pocket because he thinks pre-snap to post-snap he's going to get pressure, and that's where we've seen him turn the ball over a lot. So this is an interesting matchup for Cleveland. It's not particularly one I feel very good about, but there are ways to mitigate them, and you hope – you hope that there's, a, you know, inside of this season, and maybe at this point here, you can you can see a game where um, Odell Beckham Jr. is able to take it to another level, or they just get some surprise plays, and they need to create some turnovers defensively uh, at the same time because uh, it's going to be a really uphill battle for this offense against what I think is becoming. A tough Pittsburgh defense. I believe Pittsburgh's defense is up to fourth in pro football Focus's ranking. So it'll be a really interesting and unique challenge for the Browns, who have not played Pittsburgh very well over the years. They have tied them. uh, They tied them at the beginning of this past season, but they have not beat them since 2014. So it has been a tilted... um, you know, matchup rivalry, whatever you want to call it, for the last 20 years. And it's been especially tilted lately in Pittsburgh's favor. So the Browns have an uphill battle. It should be a fun game to watch. I want to talk in depth about Pittsburgh, and we will do so with our guest in just a minute. But before we get to our guest, I want to talk to you guys about Harry's Razors. You know, I'm a big believer in them. I think they do a fantastic job, not only delivering a quality product right to your door, but putting it at an affordable price. And I think that's what's most important. They return to the essential quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 a blade. They've cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honoring and going after those precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at factory-direct prices. Harry's a super... Convenient blade refills delivered, like I said, right to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. Listeners to Brown's Phone Breakdown can get a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire and in that trial set, you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade and then rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated Add a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go So again guys try out harry's razors. I urge you to do so go to harrys.com slash blue wire to keep shaving better today All right, let's get over to our guest All right, short week, uh, exciting game Thursday, primetime Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. I couldn't even tell you the last time we've had a primetime Brown-Steelers game, so this should be a bit nostalgic in a sense. So I brought on John Ledyard. John does great work uh, covering the Steelers sort of in his spare time now. Um, really great football insights as always, and uh, thought he'd be a great guy to ch- chat about where uh, the turnaround for this 2019 Steelers group. John, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm doing great, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. Man, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, my
0: pleasure. Um, yeah, let's let's start there, man. Let's let's say uh, group starts out one and four. A uh, little head scratching. Everybody's got their opinion on why it went that way. Then they've jumped it around. And if you if you start from the Bengals game, now they've won. Um, you know, five of their last six. Right. So, what has
1: been the key part of the uh, of the turnaround for this group? Yeah, I think it's been a number of different things, but uh, let's start with Mike Tomlin. I mean, I think this is, I I said this earlier this week to people. I think I just, this is where Mike Tomlin shines, you know, his best traits as a head coach are his ability to rally people, his ability to lead, um, to motivate. I mean, that is, that is in essence, guys follow him. Uh, They will play hard for him. Um, And especially with, you know, I don't think in the past it was necessarily a, a locker room issue like you know, big media paints it out to be, but I do think that there's a cohesiveness to this year's unit uh, that has made them even more so that way. So they are a team that is fully bought in and rallied around Mike Tomlin. And so, yes, he will drive Steeler fans crazy with the fact that he is a terrible in-game manager, situational game manager, <laughs> um, and that his scheme at times can leave a lot to be desired. But in terms of leading people, he is terrific at it. Uh, so it starts there. I think it trickles down to some of the changes that they made in the coaching staff. I think the addition of Terrell Austin has certainly helped a lot of things in that secondary. So there are a lot of positives to point toward in terms of the coaching staff, but then it gets to the leaders, uh, I think on the, on the field, Um, you know, guys have developed uh, in a way that we didn't really necessarily anticipate. I didn't think Bud Dupree was going to be good, let alone kind of dominant at certain times this season. Um, You know, he was, destroying Andrew Whitworth last week. And I was just like, I don't know who this player is. Um, So the development of players like that, which really comes from the culture that they've created, you know, getting rid of a guy like Joey Porter um, who really wasn't doing anything uh, for that unit for, years Uh, and then you've watched T.J. Watt take off Stephon Tuitt was playing his best football ever before he got hurt guys like Tyson Alualu, who've been career rotational guys um, are suddenly coming alive and showing something Javon Hargrave's been playing his best football so everybody on that defensive line following the example of Cam Hayward of course playing a lights out football and they've really set the tone so starts with Tomlin some of the coaching changes have been key but then also that defensive line has set the tone for everything that they've done this season. And I'll throw a little bit of love at the offensive line, too. The Steelers would not be where they are even a 5-4 and four, if the offensive line wasn't playing elite football in pass protection because that's where Mason Rudolph really would struggle is under pressure, and he just has faced so little of it that they've been able to be at least Competent as an offensive unit at times, just because of the offensive line. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I was I was really fascinated how they'd be able to handle replacing Mike Munchak, who's obviously one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. And it took them a little bit, but I do feel like you said there, John, they are in sync protecting Mason Rudolph, doing a really nice job with that. Let's chat, Mason Rudolph. I think he started out a little rocky, but you know things are on the uptick for him. Eleven touchdowns, four interceptions, sixty-four and a half completion percentage. I still think there's a quarterback there learning. Still think there's a quarterback there struggling a little bit, but tell. tell Tell me if I'm wrong. It seems to me like with this wide receiver group, which it seems pretty evenly distributed between Juju James Washington and uh, the rookie Deontay Johnson Toledo product, who I like a lot. uh, Seems like it's pretty Mm -hmm. evenly distributed and they're doing a nice job getting those guys schemed up open. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, I think that there are certainly things to like about what Mason Rudolph's done, um, you know, being the fact that he was a third-round pick. I don't know where people's expectations levels are for him, I guess. If you're the Steelers, they said they had a first-round grade on him coming out. I don't know many people that had a first-round grade on Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, I had a fourth-round grade on him. I had him you know, below guys like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and, the, and those other guys yeah. um, that went high in the first round. So, I mean, to me, you know, I think for, for me this is about – what I hoped for you know best case scenario for Mason Rudolph so I never really envisioned him as a franchise guy so I'll throw that disclaimer out there right away the Steelers definitely hope that he can be the franchise guy I never really viewed him that way so uh, there is some built-in bias perhaps to what I'm about to say Um, I don't think I see the accuracy um, the ball placement down the field that you'd like to see or the aggressiveness as a passer you know there are a lot of times he will come back underneath very quickly he's smart he knows where his check downs are he knows exactly where he's supposed to go with the ball in hot situations. So I appreciate his, his smarts and his ability to get the ball out and, and give players a chance to make things happen. Uh, but he just is not a very aggressive passer. He isn't really very able to see things pre snap, you know, where, where things might develop and where he might have an opening and then kind of look for that post snap. That part of the game is still coming along for him. You expect all that. And that's okay to a degree at some point, but in relative to what's going to happen. Thursday night, it does hold the Steeler offense back. Even if you watch the Rams game, like um, I'm going through, I was just going through the tape today for kicks, and I was just watching a lot of opportunities he had to get the ball down the field um, and to anticipate and throw with anticipation down the field. He just isn't at a point that he's able to do that um, right now, and so we'll see if that part of the game develops for him. I don't think accuracy and ball placement has ever been his strong suit down the field, but he is pretty good in the short to intermediate stuff. Um, he does a good job of that. Enough pace on the ball if everything is right in the pocket, but everything has to be right. He cannot throw off his back foot. He doesn't throw on the move. So there are limitations to him in terms of the fact that he has to have that strong base when he throws and be able to step into the ball. He's not going to do anything like when we see some of these quarterbacks to do like Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes and some of these guys and throw from odd angles. And you know, That's just not who he is. Um, yeah. So he he needs good conditions to be – at his best, and even at his best, I have concerns. The conditions have been very good for him for the most part because protection has been good, um, which is critical because he doesn't necessarily move well in the pocket uh, right now. That's a that's a weakness of his. Um, that was a weakness of his in college too. Um, so I think that, that that offensive line is is allowing him to survive in his smarts and honestly his toughness. He is very he is a tough dude. He will stand in and take a hit. He knows where to go with the football. Like I said, when he gets a chance to make a play, he will continue to try. and. He doesn't eat the ball and take sacks. Sometimes you wish he would because he (laughs) kind of lost it or had it eke out at at different times. But he is a playmaker. He is gutsy. Um, So I appreciate that part of him. In terms of comparisons to Ben, there really aren't many. But that is one aspect that they both share is that both guys will – do everything they possibly can to make a play until the last possible second. I mean, that's just kind of kind of how both guys are wired. So his teammates follow him. They respond well to him. He's a good leader. There are a lot of things to like intangibles-wise. Um, but there is there is a lot of physical limitations, and he's definitely limited the Steelers' offense uh, to a degree, although things certainly haven't been perfect in the receiver department either. I'm going
0: to interrupt this interview real quick to talk to you guys about Roman talking about ed is never easy erectile dysfunction not an easy thing to talk about usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like we lost our mojo or we lost it all together had a long day at work i'm too tired i'm not feeling it whatever it's time to ignore those excuses And get to roman because they're going to make it easy for you it's easy to talk about with a private doctor a real doctor who can prescribe real medication it's simple safe and totally discreet with roman you can get free online evaluation ongoing care for ed all the comfort and privacy of your home you don't even have to leave the doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate roman will ship it right to your door with free two-day shipping the whole process is straightforward simple and discreet Getting started is also extremely simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, kind of like Nick Chubb in the Wide Zone Scheme. But now there's Roman, complete with an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and a free two-day shipping offer. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, now back to our interview. Yeah, I think that the Browns' ability to uh, sort of muddy that picture pre- to post-snap will be important because if they just sit back and and allow him to see a clear picture continually all game, and I know it's a short week, that's what's fascinating to me is how the Browns coaching staff handles a short week it's usually a pretty severe disadvantage for a rookie head coach so offensively I've got that in mind but a Steve Wilkes defense mm-hmm. guy who's been around the block I would hope he can find some ways to make things difficult for Mason and they do need to heat him up however they uh, feel suit to do that it does sound like Ramon Foster is going to be back this week James Conner is going to be back mm-hmm. this week I felt like James Conner was super vital to last year's offense is he still that same difference maker in this group or is it uh um, a little bit less impactful that he comes back? I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling out where he's at in
1: 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, he, he was. Last year he was, I mean, borderline unbelievable. I mean, he. Was, I would put him in the conversation with best back in the league when he was healthy last year. I mean, he was that good. I mean, you yeah. watched his tape. And he was earning stuff, man. He was breaking tackles. He was making guys miss. Um, and he's never been a great athlete. That's never been who he is. But he's, he just has a great instinct. He um, just great awareness, and he's super tough to bring down. Dude just plays incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when he was healthy last year, he was special. This year has not been that type of player. Um, he is getting by on grit and effort and strength and toughness. That is just what he's making happen. He is easily the Steelers' best running back. Uh, injuries have clearly zapped a lot of his athletic. What was there athletically? Um, he doesn't have a lot of burst or explosiveness. He is not a home run hitter. Steelers don't really. Get home run hitters at running back. That's not even when <laughs> Bell was there. That wasn't who they were. So yeah. there are li- definitely limitations to what James Conner can bring to the table. But he catches the ball extremely well, runs routes extremely well, breaks tackles in the open field. Those three things have been key to what he brings to the offense. So he is. It is huge to get him back not only for what he brings to the table, some of the things I just mentioned, but because he is such a significant upgrade over everybody else in the backfield um, for the Steelers, especially in the passing game. You know, people think, oh, Jalen James is a better receiver because he basically played wide receiver slash tight end in college. He's a much worse receiver than James Conner, not wow. in terms of actually catching the ball, but he just does not break tackles or make people miss in the open field. James Conner consistently does. I mean, if you look at some of their wins this season – it was just Mason checking out underneath and James Conner breaking several tackles to get first down. I mean, that was, that was how they lived. Um, and then you have Jalen Samuels catching 13, 13 balls for like 70 yards or something like that. Just, you know, it's just taking exactly what's there underneath and just kind of be going down easily. And so it has been a big difference when James Conner's in there. So it will be a big, big return for the Steelers offense, even if he isn't quite as special as he was last year.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated by it because the Browns' defense is going to have to muddy things up and make it a really similar game to how they played Buffalo because, uh, like you have mentioned throughout this, Cam Hayward, uh, Javon Hargrave, Tyson Alalo, TJ Watt, among many others, Bud Dupree's playing his butt off. They play that sort of wicked moving 3-4 set, and they get after I think they have 33 – listen, these guys are – Continually on top of the NFL and sacks, at least top five, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just fascinating, man. You mentioned Bud Dupree's <laughs> playing his butt off. TJ Watt might be playing as good as anybody coming off the edge this year. And uh, Cam Hayward's Cam Hayward, everybody in Ohio knows him. What? what let me let me ask you this. this: is a weird? It's a weird way to phrase this question. Is the secondary, which you know they made the deal for Minka, obviously a very good football player, limited athlete, but he's just very cerebral. God, does that guy know what's going on in front of him? But like. They don't live by names in the secondary. It's Joe Hayden, it's Mike Hilton, Steven Nelson. Solid football players, but nothing exceptional. Terrell Edmonds has kind of taken over the strong safety role. What are they doing in the secondary that allows this front... To get after the quarterback like they do, because I've seen some stuff, and it just—I don't know. To correct me if I'm wrong here, John. But it feels like they just—they sort of bracket in the super effective way that keeps quarterbacks from being comfortable within, uh, you know, the first three to four seconds. in this front is just so deadly; it gets after him by that time.
1: Yeah, their ability to get pressure with four is huge, and the past, you know—one of the there was a time when the only good thing Keith Butler brought to the table was his ability to scheme pressure. I mean, that was. That has always been kind of his calling card as a DC. He can scheme pressure a variety of ways. They have tons of twists and games that they run up front. You know, they'll fake their linebackers coming. They'll muddy the A gaps They'll muddy the B gaps They'll bring Mike Hilton a ton on nickel blitzes. They'll fake Mike Hilton on nickel blitzes and come at you from the other side. You know, I mean, they just they throw a ton at you uh, in terms of preparation. And then there's the fact that uh, when they go four v five their four can almost always be your five, uh, you know, and maybe in multiple places right now with the way that Dupree and, and, and Waterpool playing, and even Hargrave, I mean, Hargrave had to play the game, you know, on the strip sack of, of Jared Goff uh, that make a return for a touchdown uh, against the Rams. So, I mean, it has really been all phases. I mean, Stefan Coot was the best player on the defense when he got hurt. I mean that, and everybody else was playing great too. So it, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a crazy season from the front four in that regard. And even the depth guys as well, but you ask about the secondary and i think what's interesting what's changed for you know people used to be like how are the Steelers secondary so bad and certainly they have done a poor job of drafting and developing talent and that is a big part of it but a lot of teams don't have elite players in their secondary necessarily yeah. but still get a lot more out of their secondary in terms of just their capability and their ability to execute. Uh, and the Steelers never had, didn't have either for the longest time. Now they have better talent, maybe not elite players, but they have better talent than they've had before. But the scheme is also way more diverse. So they used, I mean, for a longest time, the Steelers were one of the last teams to continue to spot drop, cover three, and, just, and teams knew exactly how to beat them, and they just didn't adjust. Um, and then they start to adjust, but Artie Burns was out there as a starter. That experiment lasted too long. When that happened, they got beat deep all the time because of Artie Burns. Mike Mitchell was constantly having to help him. He was never in position to make plays on the ball, kind of as a result of that. So when they gave up on the Artie Burns experiment, it was who can play instead of him. And that was a question for. So this year they finally said, we're bringing in Steven Nelson. And I knew Nelson was a solid guy, player coming in, and he was certainly going to be an upgrade. But I did not expect what he's brought to the table this year. I mean, there's examples of the Rams game. I was tweeting out today that you know he, I mean, he was literally running routes for guys. I mean, that's how that's how yeah. he's, he's that glued to people. So he's been exceptional this season um, and really consistent, too. Um, I think Joe Hayden has played good football, not his best football, certainly, uh, but he's played good football. He definitely had his best game as a Steeler against the Rams. Uh, but before that in the season, it had been a little bit up and down. Uh, but the biggest thing is Minka coming over, uh, him plus the improved communication in the secondary, they have just not allowed any big explosive plays down the field. I mean, it, I think they're 140-plus pass, yard pass play or something like that this season, like one or two. Now, you know, They're bo- bo- uh, top of the league in terms of the defense, uh, in terms of preventing big plays. And a lot of that is Minka and the rest of the players communicating well to get people in position where they need to be. That's something Sean Davis was not good at when he was back there free safety. So Minka getting everybody else on that same page, which is crazy because Minka came over in week three and should be behind the eight ball, but instead he's been leading the way in that regard. Um, And yeah, he's just erased everything deep. I mean, there's just nothing. There's no big explosive plays right now for teams over the top. So that combination of those players playing well and then Mike Hilton, uh, playing lights out this year. Cam Sutton's been awesome when he's been on the field. and They've been relying on him more. They went to dime a ton against the Rams, and Cam Sutton was able to match up with Gerald Everett and, and shut him down really well uh, when those two were matched up. So those four corners playing great football, you know, and Minka being a beast has kind of alleviated the fact that Gerald Edmonds is just a guy and kind of still struggles in man coverage. And, you know, what's his niche? I don't know what there, if there is one moving forward. And um, so, I, you know, that's... That might be the concern and the trouble spot that the Browns look to attack if they can get Terrell Edmonds in man coverage. But um, right now, yeah, when teams try and spread the field against the Steelers, they're suddenly able to match up where that was what absolutely killed them in the past.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the biggest fear I have in a short week is how the Browns prepare and, uh, and handle, like you said, a lot of the simulated pressures, a lot of the sugar day gaps. You know, I think the the formula for beating Baker Mayfield and in, in in you know, it's no secret the Browns have played the elite defenses of the NFL this year. It's kinda of wild how uh how the schedule's fallen for them with elite defenses this year. But the, the the formula is get pressure on him early, you know, make him feel pressure early, bring heat you know, early in the game, make him feel nervous in the pocket, then you sort of show that pressure, simulate that pressure and bail. And he's really struggled in clean pockets. I think in large part because by the end of the game he's he's just sort of happy feet. He's nervous about what's going on around him, and he's forcing throws. And I think that's the thing that makes me the most nervous. Is Pittsburgh is able, to, you know, early in the game throw some five six man for, uh, pressures at him. Later on, still be able to get pressure with a dynamic front, and then they're also dropping seven eight into coverage on occasion too. So that's where I'm nervous. Uh, and it kind of yeah, segues yeah. into my my last question, John. You you commented on. Um, you know, Nick Chubb run. I posted today with a little bit of wide zone, and that's what the Browns do really well. So, sort of my big question for you is: if the Browns are able to beat Pittsburgh, what does that look like? How do they have to play? Um, just a short synopsis on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked about that because that is a that is a key aspect of of this whole discussion is how you know because you look at it on paper and you say, okay, they've struggled to protect the quarterback. The Steelers have eaten almost every offensive line, I mean, every offensive line they face other than maybe New England, week. One. Well, even that, they, they really had a lot of moments of dominance in even that game as a defensive line, but they've eaten almost every offensive line, you know, alive this season. The Browns have struggled to protect and, you know, there's weaknesses at the tackle spots and the Steelers mm-hmm. are two guys that are playing really. So, you know, you look at those matchups, and you are like, man, they, they, they are, the Browns are, you know, the Steelers have been criticized for being undisciplined in the past. It's been a lot better this year. And the Browns have been so undisciplined in the penalties. So like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, I, I don't know why I feel uneasy about this game. And and you post that wide zone clip, and that's exactly why. It's because, no, the the biggest problem the Rams had, I think, in my opinion, was when they tried to pass. The Steelers had everything locked down. I mean, I don't even blame Jared Goff. He was getting killed, and there's no. I mean, I'm watching the tape. I'm like, I don't know what he was supposed to do with the ball. You know, so I think the Browns have to do two things. And and the, the, on offense, they have to come with man. Man beaters because when the Steelers are trying to play a lot of man right now and match you up yeah. Um and the, you the Rams didn't run enough man beaters honestly like they, they didn't help their quarterback out enough in that regard they have to have man beaters in place I think um, and go to him early and often to get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands even if it's just plant flat and that simple stuff you know what I mean keep the chains moving keep them in down and distance situations where you can run Nick Chubb and that's the other key is they have to pound the rock and not give up, not not give up and not get away from it. You know, the Rams, I just didn't feel like the game was ever I mean, the game wasn't ever out of hand and they did not commit themselves to the run game. Now, maybe Gurley's health has something to do with it. The other guys didn't run the ball very well. He ran the ball the best of all of them, but it still wasn't. He didn't look great when he was doing it. It's just that the Steelers can get undisciplined and get out of those gaps as linebackers. Bush is still learning. Mark Barron has really struggled. Vince Williams is a huge upgrade when he's in for Pittsburgh. So how Pittsburgh responds, if they play Vince more, if the Browns are – may be key in that game but mm-hmm. you know that's the thing for me is pittsburgh's got to defend the run well And when you talk about wide zone you're making corners defend the run you know what i mean and that's one of the best parts about wide zone is you're making defensive backs defend the run and i don't think the Steelers' corners are bad at it but they haven't been tested enough at it this season so the browns have to establish the i don't know establish the run is a cliche that i don't always agree with but i think they have to work the passing game still enough to get themselves in manageable situations, but they have to be able to run the football well simply because if you try and draw back all game against the Steelers, I don't think their offensive line can survive. It's not necessarily what I would say is a recipe for success every week in the NFL is running the ball more than passing. I I would disagree with that, but for the Browns to win this game, I think they absolutely have to get the ball to Baker's hands quick with man beaters and easy reads and stuff like that, and they have to be able to run the football. If they can do those two things, late in the game, maybe they can hit the big play that everybody's been unable to hit against Pittsburgh this season. But they have to be able to do those two things first, I think, in order to be able to win as an offense.
0: I'm with it. Those are great insights. He's John Ledyard. I appreciate you giving me some time, John. I think Browns fans learned a lot about Pittsburgh. And, uh, listen, let's just hope this is a good, entertaining Thursday night football game. Again, John, thanks for joining me, buddy.
1: Hey, absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, of
0: course. All right, guys, we will be, uh, we'll be back with a recap Uh, friday morning of what happened in the pittsburgh game we appreciate you guys listening appreciate you guys giving us your time keep subscribing to the itunes uh, page giving us your insight on the uh, uh, twitter account all that stuff we genuinely appreciate and like i said hopefully this is a good game thursday night and um you know got the first win for the home fans against buffalo it'd be great if they could do it again so we appreciate you we'll be back later this week and until then go browns